0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. And so, uh, I, I have moments in my life that I reflect back. I don't, can you relate to this? You have moments where you reflect back and you think, oh, and you have a little cringe that hits you right here, and you're like, why did I say that? And so, we do, we have a tendency to get in trouble with our words. And so, I just want to take this week to say, hey, look, let's dive into what God would have us think about our words, how we might measure our words, how we might speak our words, the importance and value of words. As a matter of fact, if if you're taking notes, here's the big goal of the entire series. The entire goal is this. I want us to comprehend the magnitude of the spiritual force inside of every word we speak. That's fancy. Or we could just say this. And we're going to make this our phrase for the day. Everybody say this. Everybody say words are weighty. Words are weighty. Words are powerful. Words carry value and weight in, in obviously like a, uh, just a way that we're all very aware of at the top level. But what the Bible would indicate is, is that actually words have incredible value deep at the spiritual level, an unseen, unquantifiable, unique way. Your words have incredible power. So to kick us off though, I thought, let's look at some incredibly powerful words because sometimes you think about your words you're like, well, my words aren't that powerful. I've never said anything that profound, maybe dumb, but not profound. And so I thought, but let me look at some of the profound words that have been spoken and let's see how good you are at recognizing who said these words. Are you ready? Quick little quiz. Here we go. You tell me who said it. I came, I saw, I conquered. Napoleon, so close. Anybody else got it? But you've heard these, right? This is Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar said those words. So you guys all failed. Um, I thought, because I told Nate, I said, somebody's going to get every one of these, but one. And it's not this one. I thought somebody would throw Julius Caesar out there, but there's no, there's no history teachers. We have some school teachers in our church, but they did not show up to, to church today. So anyway, let's go to the next one. Oh, this is a good one. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Come on, somebody's got to know. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, give a real, real round of applause for the first one over here. Sir, you get a cookie or a bagel after service, just grab me. Um, next one is this. The only thing we have to fear. No. But that sounds very Winston. FDR, thank you very much. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Winston stole that. He copyrighted that. Anyway, um, so yeah, FDR said that. Next one, here we go. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, Tony Montana, right? Say hello to my little friend. He comes out with the, like the Uzis or the drum guns or whatever, starts shooting everybody. I just was checking to make sure y'all are paying attention. That's all that was. All right, next one. Here we go. We'll get back to the really deep, profound things. That's one small step for man. And one giant leap. Alright, look, you can't get them all, Gus. Let other people have a chance. You've already got three cookies, let other people have cookies later. Who said this? Neil Armstrong. You're like, whoever walked on the moon, that guy said it. How many of you felt like that? You're like, is there a Buzz guy, a Buzz Armstrong? I don't, somebody, it's Neil Armstrong. So here we go, next one. Ask, y'all, y'all definitely gonna know this. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what I'm going to have an usher, usher you out, Gus. Don't <laughs> be stepping on my bit. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So who said this? John F. Kennedy, JFK. There you go. All right. We've got one or two more. Let's go for it. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. That's not Shakespeare. This is the one that I thought no one would get. Does anybody want to give a throw at it? It's What? Yeah, Gus, you can finally open now. I'll allow it. Okay, Alfred Lord Tennyson. We've heard that name. We've heard the quote. We, yeah, I, this is the one I thought. I don't know if anybody's going to get this one. Okay, everybody will get this one, last one, and we're done. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. Y'all know, y'all know who it is. All right, let's invite the Holy Spirit to come back. So... So these are weighty words. When we look at these quotes, we're like, wow, that's profound. Wow, that's weighty. But here's what I know about you, that there are times in your life you can go back and you can remember words spoken over you. And they weren't profound. They didn't come from a presidential speech, but it was where somebody maybe said that they loved you or they were proud of you or that you were great at something and you felt that, right? And there are also memories that you can go back to that words were spoken over you that were devastating. They were hurtful and they carry with you. So there's there's just something profound and powerful about words. And so here's, let's dive into the why. Why are words so incredibly powerful? Well, Genesis chapter one says this. It says that God created mankind in his own image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So from the beginning, you need to know that you are unique, right? You're not like any other species on planet earth, right? A dolphin has never written a Shakespearean type play, Right? Like, birds sing, but they don't also necessarily write words to songs, and they don't, you know, no, no, no monkeys ever painted the Mona Lisa, right? Like, so, we, we are a unique thing. God has created us in a unique way. We are made in His image and likeness, and this is one of the ways that we're unique. In Genesis 2, in the very next chapter, it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the, the breath of life, and man became a living being, or a living soul, or the Hebrew word, a living nephesh. And funny enough, when you look at the Hebrew word nephesh, it comes from the words that actually have to do with throat and speech, is the origin of that word. And so, what you may want to actually consider is that God made you a speaking spirit. Like, that's the root, the root of that idea, that God made you a living being, a living soul. You're a speaking spirit. You speak with words and you have consciousness. You have you formulate thoughts and ideas and then you express those things in words. And so because of that, you need to recognize this. Like you're created in the image and likeness of God. Consider this. When God created the world, he did not have a tool belt. He just spoke words. And you are created in the image and likeness of God. He has made you a speaking spirit. And now you create your world With your words, like that's how powerful this thing really is. God has given you the power to speak in words and those words, and this is what we're going to look at today, is that words have incredible power, incredible value, or can we just say this, everybody say words are weighty. Your words are weighty. The weight to do incredible good or sometimes the weight to be a wrecking ball and create destruction and so as a matter of fact let's let's talk about some of those destructive ways for a quick second here's three big lies that you need to know and, and and eradicate out of your mind here when it comes to words number one is this this is a lie that we sometimes believe i have a right to free speech there was a football player that got in trouble for something that he said and he came out in his interview and he goes well i don't know i don't know i just got fined i thought i had free speech and we're like no you dummy that's to protect you from the government that's not protect you from the NFL. That's not what that means. And so, you you don't have you don't have a right to free. I, I want you to know this too because I learned this the hard way. Me and Pastor Nate were on a airplane one time, and we were going through security before we got on. But we were I think we were going to like a church conference, and I just was messing with him. And I learned the hard way that I shouldn't mess because the, you know, the security girl was being real nice and real friendly. And I'm like, Hey, you see that guy, five people back from me, guys looking a little sketchy. You might want to check him out. <laughs> I don't even care what you say. That's my buddy. And that is funny. Cause I thought if he gets, you know, the full search and check and I just be funny. So I told y'all earlier that I'm going to tell you what not to do. And so So anyway, I did. I was like, "Hey, y'all need to check." And she goes, "You need to," because she knew we we were all together. And she goes, "You actually can't say that. Like, you're going to in trouble. Like, I, I, I can't let you say stuff like that." And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Oh yeah, you can't say bomb. You can't. You're an air. You're at an airport. You can't say the word bomb, or you will get in trouble. So you don't have a right to free speech because at the airport, you cannot say, you can't say bomb. Do you know that in a movie theater, you can't yell fire? That's illegal to do that." I don't know if you knew that. That, That's another one. Here's another one. You can't threaten to kill the president. That'll get you in trouble for that one too. And so you don't have a right to free speech. But let me tell you why you don't have a right. If you've put your faith in Christ, what you've done is, is you have transferred your kingdom membership to kingdoms of this world, to kingdoms of a different world. So when you say, I've got a right to free speech, that's American. That ain't kingdom. That's American. And I'm, I'm glad you're American or not American. Your kingdom, because if you put your faith in Jesus, you have transferred your allegiance. How I many you know when we say the, the pledge of allegiance and we, right? No, no, no. When, when you put your faith in Christ, you've pledged allegiance to a brand new kingdom. And this kingdom doesn't work that way. In this kingdom, You don't have a right to free speech because what you do is, is you say, Jesus, my heart is yours and everything else goes along with it, including my mouth. So my mouth is yours. And what I want to do, God, is honor you with this mouth and honor all that you've done in me. I want you, I want to honor what you honor, which by the way, Jesus loves people. And so he, he goes, you gotta, you gotta be careful that you don't, you don't sit here and say, well, I can say whatever I want as a Christ follower. You can't say that. Listen to what Psalms 141 says. This is set a guard over my mouth, Lord. That means put a trap on that thing, like lock that thing down. I need a zipper with a. You know what I'm telling? We um, do this. I need that. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. What you say is as a Christ follower is God. I pledge allegiance to a new kingdom, and I know that I have a right as American to kind of say whatever I want, but I don't have a right as a Christian to say whatever I want. I surrendered my mouth. To you. lie number two is this lie number two is well if you're just kidding it doesn't count yeah because here's the deal sometimes we do this sometimes we say stuff that's rude or crude or mean or hurtful and then we just back that thing up we like <laughs> just kidding this is where as a matter of fact listen to this this is this is powerful right here proverbs 26 while solomon says this this is so fun solomon says this like a maniac Shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and then says, Hey, I was just, I was just kidding. You gotta give the whole thing. You didn't give 18 and 19? Oh, there it is. I was only kidding. I was only joking. He's like, you're a maniac. You, see, you thought you could just say whatever and then be like, ah, just kidding. And we do this with sarcasm, right? Which, by the way, if you're a sarcastic person, you need to, you need to back that train up because sarcasm is a very, very low form of humor and it's usually hurtful. Like so, this is why Paul says that everything that you sh- you say should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Meaning, like if you're going to be funny and sarcastic, just put just, just just a little just just salt and pepper that bad boy. But don't dump salt on something; you're going to ruin it. And that's kind of how sarcasm works. Usually, there's a little bit of of hurtful truth laced into your your sarcasm, right? Like we say all kinds of stuff, like, "Hey, that mustard stain on your shirt really brings out the color of your eyes." <laughs> you know what I mean? We say stuff like, "Wow, I really like your perfume." How long did you marinate in it? You know, um, so so we have these ways of just being hurtful or mean or snarky or rude. And again, if it's with a true loved one and you've built up a lot of credit, maybe you can get away with a little bit of salt on that thing. But don't be dumping salt on it because that just that's salt in an open wound now. So you have to be careful with your sarcasm. Be, be, as a matter of fact, check this out. The word sarcasm actually comes from a Latin word that means to tear or strip the flesh off. Think about the root of sarcasm. I'm trying to be clever and funny in a way that I can tear you apart. And so just be really, really careful with your words. Just saying I'm kidding is not good. And here's a third lie. Once your words are forgotten, their influence is gone. You know, we talked about this earlier that 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 many times we can remember the very specific words that were spoken over us and they linger with us and they, we can, they're on recall. Some of the most encouraging words, we can remember those, but even for the words that we don't remember, have you ever noticed that? Like you may not remember what they said, but you can remember how they made you feel. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I don't even remember exactly what she said to me or exactly how he said that to me. But dang, I just remember not liking them. I remember being hurt. I remember being offended. I remember being put off by them. And so you have to be incredibly careful that your words don't just carry literal meaning. Some of you are literalists out there. And you get into arguments about, well, actually, what I really said was. And you want to get into the verbatims. And what you don't realize is that your verbatim has a tone. Right, and the tone that because this is what we we study when we actually study words is that words are powerful, but words are made powerful because of the tone and the attitude, the body language, and the facial expression that go along with them. That's why so much of communication is nonverbal. It's what you're saying, but it's how you're saying it, and so you have to be incredibly careful. That, that I, I know as a preacher, I was told that they, I, I literally had somebody tell me, Todd, as a preacher. Just prepare yourself. Don't let your ego get too big. They will not remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. And that's something that I have to think about as a pastor. Like, I I don't want you to ever walk out of here feeling like I beat you up. I don't ever want you to walk out of here feeling like I condemned you. I want you to remember as much as you can of what I've said, especially from straight from the teaching of scripture. But above all, I want you to know that I love you. I believe in you. Like I got your back. I'm for you. I'm praying for you. We're gonna get through this together. Can I get a good gospel amen out there? Like that's what I want you to know. I love you and I'm for you. And so again, here's a scripture out of James chapter three that says this. It says, likewise, the tongue, it's a tiny, it's a little The tiny, And we dismiss it because it's little, but it makes great boasts. And consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. We're dealing with that now. We have these stories of a guy, you know, flicking a cigarette butt or one little spark or one little thing or one little person doing one little thing. And what you see by James's illustration is he's saying, hey, look, you need to recognize that your word is a spark, but it sets fire in motion. Meaning like, again, you can say something and maybe they don't even remember where it came from or how it started, but you've created a forest fire of damage. So just know that even after your words have long been forgotten in their literal, specific, detailed, whatever, whatever, there's a feeling, there's a spirit, there's a tone that is definitely left behind. So in light of that, here's what I want you to do. I want us to adopt it. Again, if you're, if you're thinking, hey, this is week one. This is like an overview. Like I'm barely just scraping the surface on this stuff. I really want you to get back in here in the next three weeks because we're going to cover what I believe to be the most practical thing taught in the Bible concerning your words. And if it became kind of the filter, how many know we don't think before we speak sometimes? And that's part of, yep, good, a bunch of amens and hand waves. and Maybe y'all should get a hanky. But preach, white boy. Anyway, the most practical filter That if you would just place this one little phrase, this one little thought, it's powerful. Actually, one week, what I want to do is I want to tell you where those words came from. Because Jesus said your words came from a place and there's something going on underlying it. That if you just address the words on the surface, you would have actually missed the most important point of all. And then lastly in this series, we're going to talk about really how to like course correct it at the end of the day. The most important thing you can do is, I don't want to tell you, just get back in here over the weeks to come but here's where we're going to get going for now. Number 1 is this just three three big truths about our words. Number 1 is this our words release our faith. If you could just get into that our words are weighty. They're weighty sometimes for destruction but they're weighty for good too. Our words release our faith. Watch how Jesus talks about it. Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says this. He says, have faith in God. Okay, sounds good. Sounds simple. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And you're all saying, Todd, you read that a little fast. And I did that on purpose because I want to review it because there's something really powerful that if you just take it on first notice, you think, oh, he's talking about having faith and mountains in your life and removing obstacles. But inside of this is hidden this profound little gem of a nugget. And here's what I want to show you. He says to this, whoever says to this mountain, everybody say says, whoever says to the mountain. So what are you talking to? The mountain. You're not even praying to God. You're talking to your obstacle. If you say to your obstacle, be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that things that he says. So I'm not saying you just believe. I want you to believe what you what you say will be done and you will have whatever you say. Wait a minute. Is the, is the key to the scripture about having faith in God? Or was there a nugget in there that said, actually, your faith is so related to the words that you speak Like you can't say I have faith in my heart and then keep speaking negative, doubt-filled words over and over and over again. You've got to learn how to match what you feel on the inside and make it be confirmed with how you speak and what you say. As a matter of fact, when we think about it like this, we want to, number one, have faith in God, right? That's what he opens the whole thing with. And how do you release that? How do you express your faith? You do that through prayers and through worship. Think about it. We just sang a whole bunch of songs and Christians are funny like this. Because sometimes we sing all these songs, but we don't believe anything that we're saying. We're like, God is mighty to save, or God's this, or God's this, and we talk about, and then we don't believe none of it, because then we go out and we live differently, or we say differently, and so what I want you to do is recognize, no, we use worship as a way to talk about how great God is, and so we use our worship, and we use our prayers to release our faith towards God, but we also do it towards this. We release our faith not just towards God, but towards people. Towards others. That's what we call encouragement. So I want you, because think about what encouragement is. Encouragement is this. I believe in you. You're good at this. You're great at that. God has gifted you for this. God's going to do work in you for this. And you're just releasing incredible encouragement into people's lives. Here, check this out. I want you to recognize something real quick here. There was a study done about our words. And what they did was, is they wanted to recognize that of all the words that you speak, where do they actually go? Here's what they determined is that out of all the words that you speak, 80% of them, that's a lot, 80% of them are given to anywhere from five to seven of the closest people to you. Don't you think about that. You're telling me I just speak words constantly all the time. I don't even know how many words. I mean, I, I could never figure out how many words we're actually speaking in a day, in a year, in a lifetime. We're saying all these words, but 80% of them go to the people, the five to seven people closest to us. So when you release your faith in God, you're in here worshiping and praying and doing things. But when you release your faith to people, you got to remember there's five to seven people that are longing for you to have faith in them. And the only way they're really going to know it and feel it and sense it is through the power of encouragement. And so I want you to release your words towards some other people. Somebody say yes. Number two is this. Our words give life or death. This is the most maybe famous and popular scripture in the Bible concerning words. It says this. This is Solomon. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled and the harv- or with harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. What Solomon doing is he's using analogy and illustration to say, Hey, look, you are going to live off of what you say. Just recognize that you're going to live off of what you say in light of that. The tongue has the lie or the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So he's sitting here. This is Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. He's like, you better pay attention to something in life. There's this profound insight that you live off of your words that if you keep saying this, you're going to get that in life. If you keep saying this, you're going to end up with that in life. So, if you don't like what you're seeing in your life, I would say back that thing up and ask yourself: If I don't like what I'm seeing, let me check what I am saying. As a matter of fact, this is so true in marriage. How many married couples out there? Give me a give me a what what and a cupcake wave or something. Yeah. So, married couples, listen. They did this study. It was two professors, two different universities. They got together, did a study, and they wanted to check and talk about words and the power of words inside of marriage. And so, what they did was, is they tracked couples, but only in their first year of marriage. They just want to see like newlyweds, newly couples. Any newlyweds out there? Any? Yeah, yeah woo! Um, all the all the old veterans here, like, young whippersnappers, and so. So anyway, they, they, they monitored them and they wanted to judge and kind of catch and qualify and count all the words that they spoke. This is fascinating. This is what they discovered when it came to their words, that couples, after they viewed them for one year and tracked them a little by little over a year, that the ones that stayed together and were happily married, five out of every 100 comments was negative. Negative. Meaning, like you said, a hundred things, five of them, you were a little negative. Maybe you were a little rude. Maybe you're a little critical. Maybe you're a little, you know, you're having a bad day. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. That's 5%. Watch this. The couples who did not make it, they said 10 out of every 100 comments were negative. I don't know about you, but if you just said, hey, babe, look, I said a hundred things, only 10 of them were negative, I'd be like, wow, high five, babe, we're doing Awesome. I want you to see that the difference between couples that were thriving and couples that were dying were five statements that is incredible. We're talking about 5%. That's it. The difference between making it and thriving or struggling and dying was five little statements. Because what they showed you was, is that even though this is going on in year one, what they happen is they would do is they would track them little by little in the future. And notice that what happened was, is these things just got bigger and bigger and compounded and compounded. And here's what we know about words. Many of you will sit back and look at your words and say, well, I'm not verbally abusive. I mean I'm not I'm not saying all this terrible stuff and yelling and screaming and cussing and calling names and all that and they never called the cops on me, Todd. <laughs> See here's the problem. Please, please 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 sometimes we we dismiss the value of the words that we speak because we think because they're not huge or big or yelling or just over the top that they must not be that bad. But here's what I know is that if you were to take a wall and you were to beat it with a sledgehammer, you would tear that wall down. That's kind of like the big words. But what many of us do is, is we don't have sledgehammers. We have scalpels. And so the reality is, is that we can tear a wall down just the same. We just do it in little tiny bits over and over and over and over. We just keep knocking that thing down. And so just being, everybody say, words are weighty. Your words are weighty. They're just, they they carry incredible value. Five out of a hundred words, they were doing good. Ten out of a hundred words, I thought that was still pretty good. They're dying. There's power in our words. Not only is there life and death in our marriage, can I just say this? There's life and death that you speak over yourself. Have you ever thought about that? Like you talk to you. We call that self-talk. How many of you catch yourselves having like little conversations with yourself? How many of you talk to yourselves in the car and just go ahead and say, I'm going to talk out loud. I don't care if it sounds weird. People just think I'm on Bluetooth anyway. And so you do. So sometimes we we it's not just speaking life or death in our marriage. Sometimes it's just speaking life and death to ourselves. I have, I've talked to so many people that have negative self-talk. They say things like, well, I can't. I'll never get out of debt. I'm depressed. I've never had enough. I'm so afraid. Nothing goes my way. I'll probably fail. I mean, just on and on and on and on. All this kind of just negative stuff. Here's the reality. You're speaking death to you. Hey, look, sometimes in life, there is not a lot of people going to encourage you. Bless God, you might as well encourage yourself. David did this. There was a point in David's life. King David had messed up, made mistakes. His army had been defeated. Wives and children had been led off in captivity. Everybody turns on him and they were like ready to stone him and kill him. And the Bible says that he took a moment with the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Because here's the deal, sometimes life will be against you, people will be against you, circumstances will be against you, and nobody's going to encourage you. Bless God, the Lord has given you words so that you might encourage yourself. Be careful of your self-talk, self-talk. Examine the words that you speak to yourself. Bless God. If anybody's going to be for you, Jesus is for you, and you might as well be for yourself. Somebody say amen to that. But again, just again, speaking death to ourselves, speaking death to others sometimes, how we treat other people with our words, comments, calling people names, any of that stuff. Solomon said, be careful. You will live off of the words that you say. Make sure you speak life and not death. Number three is this, and we'll start to close. Number three is we are accountable for our words. It's a big deal. Words are weighty. They're so weighty that they carry the, the, the presence of life and death in them. They're so weighty that they release faith or doubt, maybe. Jesus said they're so weighty that God has deemed this such a big deal. This is what he says. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment for by your words, everybody say words for by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Now, those are, those are some heavy words. Those are some weighty words. What he's saying is like, you need to be careful. Like this is such a big deal. You are a speaking spirit. You are made in the image and likeness of God. So your words have creative power. They can create faith or doubt. They can create life or death. This is a big thing. These words are weighty. They're so weighty that your heavenly father is saying, no, no, no. We'll give an account for all the things that we say. But let me encourage you this morning. Thank God that whatever device or tool God uses to kind of track our words, that there's an eraser connected to it. Anybody thankful for that? Because I've said enough dumb things or foolish things. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. It's not that I, I don't want to give it. I do want to give an account for him. But I thank God for the grace that covers me, the forgiveness of God towards me, the strength of God within me. It is not enough for me to take in this message. It is, it is the thing that I need to do is walk out of these doors and begin to speak differently. I will give an account for all My words, if you're taking notes, this is the summary statement of the day, that the quality of your life is greatly dependent on what you are saying. Gosh, you know what I'm so grateful for, though? Is that even though our words are weighty, I want you to think about this. Is that when Jesus came into the earth, the apostle John, when he was writing his gospel story called the Gospel of John, when he talked about Jesus in the opening poem of the opening chapter of his book, he called Jesus the word of God, that literally Jesus was the expression of who God was. There's a lot of meaning into that. I want to get into it, but just to think this. you know what they called Jesus? They called him the word of God. Listen to this. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So I want you to know that no matter what you have said or not said sometimes, sometimes the things that we regret are the things that we should have said that we didn't say. Sometimes we said something that we so dearly wish that there was a flux capacitor that we could go back in time and somehow redo that and re-say that. No matter what it is, I want you to know this. You have an advocate with God. You have somebody who came, who rose again to conquer all the sin and death that we've figured out how to mess up and get into and surround ourselves with. The Bible says that God sent his word and it healed us. I want you to know there's forgiveness in Christ for whatever you have said. Let's walk this out for the next few weeks. But here's where, here's where I want to challenge you. Here's where we're going to apply it. There was a rabbi that had come up with this, this quote, and I'll read it for you in just a second. But what he had recognized is, is that sometimes we have a bad habit of just speaking death. Many times in just the form of criticism. And so he put out a challenge to say, hey... I want this to his congregation. He goes, how many of you can go 24 hours without being critical with your words? And he goes, I was surprised because I thought a lot of people would raise their hands. (laughs) He goes, some people were like, there's no way I can't do it. And he said this, he said, those who cannot answer yes must recognize that you have a serious problem. If you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, we would say that you're an alcoholic. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you would be addicted to nicotine. If you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you have lost control over your tongue. So here's my challenge to you this week is I want us to watch our mouth. Sometimes we have a big fat mouth and it gets into trouble. This week, all I want you to do is watch your mouth. All I want you to do is set, set a guard over. Ask God to put that thing on lockdown. Ask God to give you grace over your lips. Ask God to help you speak life and to speak faith this week. As a matter of fact, on your door, I'm going to give you a gift to help you remember that. Here's a couple questions that I want you to wrestle with. Here, here's one of them. Do I seem to take my words lightly and not value the things that I say? God, is, is, that, is that my issue? Do I just speak? Do I have no filter, no care, no thought? Am I one of those people that say, well, I don't even care. I just speak my mind. Stop it. Because you know what's in your mind. And I know what's in my mind. There's a lot of crazy in there never speak your mind. That's a terrible idea. Right? I'm not tripping, am I? Am I the only one that has? Okay, good. Because y'all made me feel all alone up here for a second. That wasn't nice. This is pastor's appreciation for crying out loud. So do I seem to take my words like? Here, here's another question I want you to ask yourself. Is there anything I repeatedly say to myself that's discouraging? Am I putting myself down? When I listen to my own self-talk, whether it's just in my head, or maybe I actually do go ahead and fully articulate it, do I speak down to myself? Because here's what I want you to know about you. Stop talking bad about you. God loves you. I tell my kids that all the time. If they ever say something negative about you, stop that right there. That's my son. You don't talk to my son that way. That's my daughter. You don't talk to my daughter that way. I just want you to know God dearly loves you. God, God doesn't want you talking to you that way. God loves the mess out of you. Another question. Have I spoken any cruel or discouraging words to someone else and need to go and seek forgiveness. Sometimes we have put death on our lips and we've said something that we need to go and apologize. We need to go and ask for forgiveness. We need to go and make amends. Last question. Is there a lack of praise and gratitude on my lips towards my heavenly father? Maybe we need to start by saying, God, let me put praise on my lips, God. If it'll keep me from saying something crazy or foolish, what if I just blessed you? What if I just praised you? What if I put, put words of faith on my lips and expressed them to you in prayer and in worship? Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Today is a day that I want us to begin a journey. I need you to get back in here over the next three weeks. Uh, I, I think God wants to do a work in us as a church, as a people, as a kingdom, I want us to speak differently. I want us to be a people that have a kingdom language that sounds different than the language of the world. I want us to have a language that is absolutely so life-giving, so full of faith, so full of encouragement, so full of power, that we are literally taking the world around us and just speaking life, speaking faith, helping people, even ourselves. And so, Lord, today, God, we surrender. Our lips. God, if there's anything that we've said, God, would you begin to work in us right now? Right here, right now, God, would you begin a healing process? Would you begin a a makeover process? God, would you help me to set a guard over my lips? Would you help me to walk out of here and become a person that speaks faith and speaks life? Lord, let today be a day that I begin maybe a 24-hour challenge of nothing negative, of nothing critical. Lord, this is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said together, Amen and Amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nvchurch.tv.